with that being said, let's jump into week three of our series called Ears to Hear, where we're uh, teasing out a little bit and nuancing the idea of hearing God. And we're studying uh, several different ways in which God speaks to us, and then giving some attention on how we can posture our hearts and our lives to hear his voice more clearly. So, as we enter in this morning, I want to title this morning's message, The Inner Voice. And we'll be talking about the Holy Spirit and his presence in our lives and how we hear from the Holy Spirit and how he speaks to us in our lives today. So before we begin, let's quiet ourselves and uh, bring our cares and our burdens and our anxieties before the Lord and come back into the Father's house. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Any given day, any given moment, we are prodigals. So Lord, here we are. Would you bring us home again? Bring us home to a place of intimacy with you. Bring us home to a place of unbroken relationship with you. Bring us home to the place where every anxiety and fear and stressor is put down and laid low at the foot of the cross. And Holy Spirit, we invite you here this morning, and we confess that our gathering this morning and our times in the scripture, if this is just us doing our own thing, then it's cute and comical at best. But if you come, and if you dwell among us like you've promised to do, then this can become more. These words on pages can become more. This food around a table can become more. This time together can be deeply sacred and deeply spiritual. And so we're asking, would you come, Holy Spirit, teach us, guide us, instruct us into all truth. And we commit ourselves to doing everything that you would teach us this morning. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the young adult said, amen, amen. First discussion of the morning. Let's jump right in here. We got this up on the screen. Let's talk about this at our tables as we get going. Who is the Holy Spirit and what role does he play in our lives of faith. Talk about it. Uh, take a five, ten minute chunk. Nuance it at your tables and then we'll pick this thing up then. Much love. Enjoy discussion. Go. All right. Go ahead. Bring those discussion to a close. So who is the Holy Spirit? Um, I, I've heard, and maybe you have too, uh, you know, in the church, sometimes the Holy Spirit jokingly is likened to the crazy uncle of the Trinity, where it's like, we like the Father and we love Jesus, but we're not really sure what to do with the Holy Spirit, because he kind of like kicks the door in and does some crazy stuff sometimes, and people fall over, and sometimes people are healed, and like the crazy uncle, jokingly, obviously, there is some reverence when it comes to our treating of the Holy Spirit, and there ought to be. But you know, the Holy Spirit, if there's one thing we see in the New Testament, it's that the Holy Spirit plays a crucial and central role in the lives of all believers. We see Jesus speaking at great lengths from time to time about uh, articulating who the Holy Spirit is and what role he plays in our lives. And we see this uh, particularly in, in the latter part of John. John chapter 14 15 through 18, let's read this together. Jesus talking about who the Holy Spirit is. Maybe it can shine some light on our understanding. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another help, helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, who the world cannot receive, because it n neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. 
for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus is telling his disciples right before he leaves this earth that he is in fact sending someone, that long gone are the days where uh, believers are going to be left alone to figure out the life of faith by themselves. Dead and in the grave are the days where the believers have to muster up their own strength to try and just ascend into this echelon and pinnacle of holiness in and of themselves. Those days are gone, Jesus is saying. He's saying, but when I leave, I'm going to send you someone. And he calls him the comforter, the Holy Spirit. He will not only be with you, journeying alongside you in your life. This is not only going to be uh, the, the Emmaus Road narrative where you're walking and I'm with you. But more than that, he's going to be in you. He's going to dwell in you. He's going to empower you. He's going to speak to you. He's going to illuminate the truths of Scripture to you. This relational void that will very much be present upon my leaving you will be filled with the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. This is what he does. And Jesus continues this teaching in John 16, just a couple chapters later, when he says this in verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said he will take what is mine and declare it to you. We see this central element of the Holy Spirit's ministry on display in this short little teaching of Jesus. The Holy Spirit, in the New Testament especially, we can read and and come to the conclusion that he serves a variety of roles in the lives of believers. He does a number of different things. He is present with us and in us for a number of different reasons. But there's one primary ministry that the Holy Spirit engages in in our lives that Jesus very clearly alludes to. And it's that the Holy Spirit continues the teaching ministry of Jesus in the lives of all believers. That when it comes to Jesus' departure, Jesus was very clear that I still have much to say to you. In other words, my time on the earth has not been exhaustive and completed in regards to what I have to speak to you. There is so much more about the kingdom and about the life of faith and about the realities of the new heavens and the new earth that are to come that I long to teach you, but the Holy Spirit's coming. And though my time is limited here on earth, the Holy Spirit will be with you and in you to teach you and to continue this teaching ministry that I was engaged in, Jesus. When we look at his life, if the Holy Spirit does continue this teaching ministry, well, what what was the teaching ministry of Jesus all about? And how does it apply to our lives today? Well, Jesus was all about illuminating the truths of the kingdom and then beckoning people into that life of the kingdom. He always is talking in parables. The kingdom is like this. The kingdom is like this. And we're actually starting a new series across our congregations at New Life this weekend. The kingdom is like these stories that Jesus told. And Jesus is telling these stories and he's likening the kingdom to all of these different uh, parabolic ideas, all the while showcasing what the kingdom is like. And in doing so, he's not just waxing eloquent, hey, so yeah, it's like this, and that's kind of cool to think about, huh? 
But instead, he constantly beckons his hearers into the life of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like a a sower who goes out to the field and scatters seed. Well, what's the idea there? Be soft soil. Be one who bears the softness of heart that can receive the virtues and the truths of the kingdom. And so there is provocation and there is invitation from Jesus in his teaching ministry. And when we recognize that the Holy Spirit is indeed the one who guides us into all truth and continues this teaching ministry of Jesus, I think the Holy Spirit's voice in our lives suddenly starts to make a little more sense. Because it's much less of giving us directives. Hey, in five years, you're going to do this. And hey, uh, next week, this is going to happen. And you need to be prepared for that. Sometimes that happens. But by and large, the Holy Spirit is after the recreation of our souls. You see, relationship with the Holy Spirit recreates us. And if the Holy Spirit does continue this teaching ministry of Jesus, then one of the core things that the Holy Spirit is after in our lives is not just giving us a heads up on what's to come and not just helping us make decisions, but after provoking us into the ways of the kingdom, after recreating us into the people of God, after forging in us hearts and minds and souls and all of our strength to be completely devoted to the Lord. And, you know, we can so often boil the voice of the Holy Spirit and God speaking to us down to, like, the directives, right? God, I need to know who to date. I need to know who I'm going to marry. First of all, why do you need to know who exactly you're going to marry? God, I need to know what job I'm going to have. And after college, I need to know this and this and this. And, And God gives us directions in those things often. But think about like the grand scheme of our lives. The, the, the decisions that we have to make maybe comprise like 5 to 10% at max of our interaction with the Lord. But the other 90%, 95% is the whole, and these are like general numbers, obviously, but the Holy Spirit, the, uh, the vast majority of the time is beckoning us into deeper waters of kingdom life, provoking us, claiming more of us, seizing more of our allegiance, seizing more of our lives, healing broken areas of our hearts, teaching us, guiding us into all truth, which is not just confined to decisions that have to be made. The Holy Spirit recreates us. Relationship with him forges in us the identity that we are called to have as the people of God. This is what the Holy Spirit does, and it's this teaching ministry that he continues in our lives of faith today. Let's talk about this. Discussion number two. How have you seen the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit at work in your life? How does this continuation of the teaching ministry of Jesus, how has it uh, transpired and translated to your specific life of faith? Talk about it, and then we'll pick this thing up in a few minutes. Go. All right, let's jump back in, shall we? So the Holy Spirit obviously does a lot of different things in our lives, but when it comes to the personal relationship that we have with him, this is largely the shape that his ministry takes in our lives, this teaching ministry. Um, And so, you know, I think when it comes to this, and when, when it comes to really the general question of how does God speak to me, and how does the Holy Spirit speak, and how am I to discern the voice of God, I think there's a nagging question that gnaws and gnaws and gnaws and sometimes keeps some of us awake at night and just eats us a little bit uh, because there's a lack of resolution sometimes we can feel with this question and it's slippery and we try and figure out what does scripture have to say about it. And the great question is, 
Um, how do I know that it's the Holy Spirit speaking and not just me? Am I speaking to the choir or can somebody else relate to this question? Like, how do I know that it's the Holy Spirit? How do I know that it's not just a flutter of my own imaginations or a soaring of my own soul and that I'm trying to concoct this voice of God for myself, maybe with pure motives, but how do I know that the Spirit is speaking to me? Um, I think there's a number of different ways we can discern. I think there's a number of things we can uh, pin it down and really try and quantify the voice of the Holy Spirit through. But there's three safeguards. I'm, I'm using that terminology. Three safeguards, I think, that can help us discern the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives and really um, help us to engage in a practice of hearing the Lord's voice. Because maturation in the faith is inherently growing uh, in our understanding and our awareness of what the voice of the Lord sounds like. Uh, to where ideally, the older and older we're getting and the more mature we're growing in the faith, we can recognize more clearly the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus himself said, uh, you know, I am the good shepherd and my sheep hear my voice. Well, that doesn't happen overnight, <laughs> maybe in some ways, but really every single day of our lives, all of a sudden upon conversion, we don't uh, crystal clearly hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and can recognize that he's speaking to us. But it's this, it's this progression, it's this process, it's this maturation period that we're in as we grow in the faith, learning to discern and distinguish the voice of the Holy Spirit. So there's three safeguards. Let's clip through them together. I think one, the first one, is uh, the question, does it line up with what we already, or what, with what God has already spoken in the scriptures? Does it line up? We already know God has spoken in the scriptures, but does it line up what we're hearing with what we read in the Old and the New Testament alike? Uh, and I think this is important because uh, keeping this question in mind protects us from, uh, from keeping the voice of the Holy Spirit far too sub subjective in our lives. But it gives us this objective set of guardrails for us to be able to weigh and filter and discern, okay, does this line up with what God has said previously? And that's not to say that the Holy Scriptures give us every little bit of detail as far as it relates to our life. You know, Josh, date JC, on August 1st, 2013. No, that's obviously not in the Holy Scriptures. But if we hold to the notion that God is not just truthful, but is the essence of truth himself, then we can confidently assume that what God says in the Scriptures, his voice spoken through them and his voice spoken through Jesus, is not going to contradict a voice that we hear in our innermost. Uh, they're going to be compatible. They're going to be aligned. And uh, it's funny and a little sad at the same time, because even in my like very short pastoral career, uh, the rubber has met the road on this issue and with some of the people I've sat with, where like the things uh, I'm hearing, the, the God speaking to them, clearly does not line up with Scripture. Uh, oh yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna work at all, and I'm just gonna binge off of other people and, and until I figure life out, you know? Really? Because Paul says if, if you don't work, you don't eat. And Paul says to get a job and live your life quietly and don't be a busybody, but like as essentially to have a good example of the life of faith in the community. Um, and so, okay, there's some dissonance there. Or, uh, or, you know, like, God, God, I think God's okay with us sleeping together before marriage. We've talked about it. We've sorted it out. And, uh, and we're all good with it. 
Really? Because God seems to have a pretty strong opinion in the New Testament and the Old Testament alike about sexual immorality. Let there not even be a hint of sexual immorality among you. Fornication, all of that. So like, there's some dissonance here. Uh, either the scriptures are not right, or you have to concede that maybe you're not hearing God correctly. And so the Holy Scriptures really provide this beautiful and protective uh, set of guardrails for us to discern the voice of the God uh, the voice of God in our lives? Does it line up with what God already has spoken in Scripture? A second question I think we can ask in trying to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit is, does it pass the scrutiny test with trusted friends, family, and mentors? Um, are we holding these things that we're hearing so tightly and assuming that they're bulletproof and infallible, or do we have the humility to submit them to other people and say, hey, um, I, I kind of am sensing this about, uh, you know, the voice of the Lord regarding this decision I'm making. What do you think about that? Uh, you know, I, I heard this thing the other morning as I was reading the scriptures and interpretation of a specific text. Well, what do you think about that? And as we approach these things open-handedly and humbly, that really guards us from this uh, feeling of like theological superiority or spiritual elitism where, whoa, yeah, I hear God. I hear God infallibly and, and whatever I hear is going to be, no, 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 no. If we come to it humbly and if we ask and, and uh, resort to the communion of trusted friends, family, and mentors around us, it protects us. It guards us. First uh, Thessalonians five nineteen to twenty two says, "Do not quench the spirits. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything, holding fast to what is good, abstaining from every form of evil." The Apostle Paul here is is living in this tension of do not quench the Holy Spirit. In other words, do not assume that the Holy Spirit is not alive and is not active and is completely um, outside of our uh, experience, that he's not dealing with us at all. That's obviously going to be quenching the Spirit. But at the same time, test everything. Like, like put things through a filter, test things, discern things. If uh, this is, in fact, the voice of the Holy Spirit or the work of the Holy Spirit among us, it's going to hold up under the scrutiny test. Uh, do my friends, do my family members, do my mentors who I trust and I know walk in maturity before the Lord, what do they have to say about it? Um, you know, and, and just a side note, I think we need to be really, really careful about jumping too quickly into the phrase, God told me, dot, dot, dot. Or thus saith the Lord, dot, dot, dot. We don't hear that often, but growing up, you know, these guys would get on and say, thus saith the Lord. Okay, yes. But I myself am very cautious of throwing around those words. You know why? Is because the second those words leave my lips, God's reputation's on the line. God's name is on the line. And if I tack on my own fallibility to God's infallibility, then I'm dragging the name of the Lord through the mud here. And so have some humility, shouldn't we? Like just keep it open-handed and leave open the possibility of fallibility. Uh, I think we ought to be very cautious when we throw out these words. Yeah, God told me, but, okay, be confident that the Lord is speaking to us, but be careful, okay? You can, you can really throw the God card very quickly and unnecessarily uh, on some things if we're not careful. So uh, the third thing I, I think is helpful to, to talk through and, and to consider is we're seeking to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. And this is more of quality, um, but the question is, is the voice gentle while being full of truth? 
the quality of the voice is just as important as its content. The way in which a voice comes to us is equally as important as what that voice is saying in the first place. Um, you know, I've heard uh, some theologians, Bob Mumford in particular, he, uh, he writes about this, and the terminology he uses is, uh, is the voice warm but firm? Like, is there a tenderness and a kindness there while still being authoritative? Um, because I think if we're hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives or, or, or thinking that we are, and all we're hearing is things that mm, give us those warm fuzzies, yeah, yeah. And we're never convicted of sin or we're never provoked into deeper levels of kingdom life, then yeah, we might want to test if that's the case. And on the contrary, on the other side, if we're only hearing, hey, you need to do this and you need to buckle up and you, well, that's not the voice of the Lord either. Because Romans 8.1 says there is no, what? Condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we know and can be confident in the fact that when the Lord speaks to us, it is not going to induce shame. It's not going to be to lay a heavy hand on us for the sake of making us feel like crap. It's not going to accuse us, but instead it's going to be warm but firm. It's going to be gentle and full of truth. Um, we see this uh, dynamic play out in scriptures, this, this tension that the New Testament authors live in of the voice of the Lord is sweet and it is pure and God does guide us and lead us in paternal care, but at the same time, there is much to be said for discipline, that God deals with us as sons and daughters. And if we're illegitimate children, then we don't get disciplined. But if we are legitimate children, then God deals with us and he works in us. And sometimes it's not always comfortable, but it's always in tenderness and it's always in love. I remember uh, just a few weeks back, actually, my three and a half year old Rush who is just like developing into this lightning bolt of a person. Like he's just energy and, and fiery and he's, he's as boy as they come. Um, JC and I were working on this project at home and we had a pair of scissors out and we were, we were doing whatever. I can't even remember. But Rush like so wants to help sometimes where he lets uh, some things that we say go one ear and out the other. And he's so fixated on like helping. I want to be there for mom and dad and all that. And so Rush, um, you know, we're in the other room and, and Rush comes in the room with a pair of scissors like pointing upward. And my heart just, oh Lord, okay. Hey Rush, I'm trying to talk him off the ledge. Hey buddy, can I have those scissors please? He's like, no, I, I wanna, I wish I had a pair of scissors because that would really illustrate the picture. But I, no, I, I wanna help you guys. I'm like, Rush, buddy, can I have the scissors please? I don't want you holding that. I, I, I want you to hold them down. No, can I help with something? Oh, okay, can I help with something? No, and then I look at him and I, I exchange this look that all of a sudden it got serious, like, Rush, give me the scissors. And he turns around and starts sprinting, you guys, like with the scissors up. And there was a moment where um, I have never not loved Rush. And, and I loved Rush in this moment, but my love for him took a different shape. And my tenderness for him took a different shape. And the grace even took a different shape because... I had to, out of my paternal and fatherly instincts and care for him, yell, rush, no. And he stops and he drops the scissors and he looks at me and he just like collapses in tears because I had disciplined him. I'd gotten onto him. I'd raised my voice to him. And I think in our lives of faith, sometimes the Lord will stand up and he'll say, no, stop, stop that sin Stop that disobedience. That thing will kill you. Drop it. 
And that does not mean that he's not tender. And that does not mean that he's not good. And that does not mean that he's not kind. But that means that he's dealing with us as kids. And we see this in Hebrews. The author of Hebrews, as I alluded to before, talks about this disciplinary shape sometimes that the love of the Lord takes when he says this. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons and daughters? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Sometimes the voice of the Lord will not just give us warm fuzzies. And if we're only looking for that, then we're cutting ourselves off from a very important and very central way that the Lord speaks to us. And that is through discipline. And that is through uh, firmness. And it never is lacking warmth and it never is lacking kindness and it never is lacking love. But what it uh, sometimes has to do The Lord has to confront us. The Lord has to speak no. The Lord has to be heavy-handed in in his dealings with us so that we can be preserved and so that our sonship can truly burgeon. The Lord disciplines and loves us. And so when we consider the way that God speaks to us, we have to understand that there is an objective framework in which he speaks. And there is the gift of counselors and trusted people around us, but also the quality of the voice sometimes will be firm, and it sometimes will be disciplinary. And I think uh, in our lives of faith, uh, it's always helpful and always healthy to step back and come to the Lord humbly and say, Lord, what am I holding in my hands with the blade up pointed towards my body where you're asking me to drop it? Lord, is there anything that I've let slip into my soul that's eating me from the inside out, that's insidiously devouring me? And if we come humbly to the Lord and we don't harden our hearts and we don't shut off our ears like we looked at a couple weeks ago, but we come to him humbly and say, Lord, uh, we pray the prayer of the psalmists. Uh, Search me and know me. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, I want to drop the scissors. (laughs) If you're getting on to me and and you're, you're dealing with me heavily, that's not because of your lack of love for me, but like I choose, take it. Often this is the way the Lord deals with us. And this is the recreation that the Holy Spirit beckons us into. It takes this form. It's drop that, let that go. Hey, can you consider uh, releasing that? Give this over to me. Your greed, your pride, your sexual impurity, whatever, just drop it. I have kingdom life for you on the table. This is the way that the Lord leads us. And this is the way that he shepherds us, according to Psalm 23. The Lord who makes us lay down in green pastures, leads us beside still waters. Not all the time is it warm and comfy and cozy. Sometimes it's a, uh, it's a purging. Sometimes it's a releasing. Sometimes it's a call for us to surrender. And this is the content and the quality of some of the ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to us today. So let's, let's take some time and let's chew on this for a couple more minutes uh, in discussion, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Um, but let's, let's look at our third discussion question. Which three safeguards speak to you most as you seek to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit in your own life? Uh, which ones stick out? And uh, which ones do you, do, where, where's there the hum? Where do you hear resonance? Where do you hear the Lord kind of prodding and provoking you through these three safeguards? 
Uh, go ahead, talk about it as a table, and then we'll pick it up in a few minutes and we'll stand and dismiss all together. Enjoy discussion. Hello, 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 hello. <laughs> hey, guys. Kind of wrap up your discussion. If I could have you all stand, we're going to close out the service. <clears throat> all right. Um, and if, if you guys would just hold out your hands like this, I really loved today's um, sermon and message um, just about the Holy Spirit. And so if you guys would just hold out your hands like this and as a, and a posture to receive. Um, God, we just thank you so much for your spirit. I thank you, Father, that your resurrection life um, continues on today because of what happened over 2,000 years ago. And thank you for the blessing um, of your spirit, Father, that it comforts, it encourages, um, it convicts. Um, and Father, we just posture our hearts, um, we posture um, our souls to just yielding to you, yielding to your spirit. Um, I just even pray for people's week this week as they go into a new work week, um, school week, as people um, wrap up a semester, Father. And God, I pray for your strength to just um, come over every single person in this room, Lord, that you would give them strength and endurance to finish school, um, strength and endurance um, as they go into a new work week, um, as they work with customers, as they work with um, their managers or um, coworkers, Lord. Um, I just pray that you would encourage and that you would fill every single person in this room, Lord. We love you so much, and we thank you for the gift of your Son and the gift of your Spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.